Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for When you get coffee and it's black coffee, if you put cream in that coffee, it will change colors. It will change color. It will change taste. Everything about it's different. And anybody that looks at it will say, yes, there is cream in that coffee. But if you look at black coffee and try to convince somebody that there's cream in there, they're not going to buy it. When you are changed by covenant, something gets in there. It's called the Holy Spirit of God. God gets in there and you will change. Those who have not changed and say, oh yeah, I'm under covenant, I'm a new guy, and you're still acting like the same old, same old, I don't buy it. It You're not convincing anyone. You don't taste different, you don't look different, you're, you're the same as you always were. Well, David is praising God about being changed and he has been delivered and so remember how david was acting a few chapters ago he's acting like a knucklehead don't point at him we've done it too but then now he is realizing that he has been changed and so when you realize what you've been saved from it will cause you to be glad i saw somebody on facebook this morning that i remember having a bad run into a long time ago before i was saved and i remember what they said and i remember what i said i remember what they did and i remember what i did and all of a sudden it triggered up all these emotions and thoughts of these terrible ways that i used to live by and i'm thinking man they probably found me on Facebook too. They probably don't want to friend me according to who they think I probably still am. They remember who I used to be. But I've been changed and I've been saved and I want to go tell that person, hey, remember who I was? I'm not that guy no more because I've been changed. Because when you think about the bad things and realize what the Lord has taken you out of, it causes you to be glad, right? I know you got a bad past, everybody does. Some of you are still dealing with some residuals off of that. But remembering what was versus what is now since you've been saved will cause you to be glad. So it's the don't dwell in the past thing, it's the be glad where you've been pulled out of. That's kind of where I'm at, is that I know what I've been pulled from, and it made me super glad. Now that's what David's doing. He's remembering back to all the enemies that's tried to kill him, all the trouble he had. But now he's like, the Lord got me out of every one of them. And now I'm over here and I'm saved and delivered. And he, boom, he's just explosion of gladness going everywhere. And I'm trying to relate to David in this. So let's see what he says further in 2 Samuel 22, verse 21. He said, the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness, according to the cleanness of my hands. He has recompensed me for I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. Now, the first time I read this, I thought to myself, all right, wait a minute. 
He was rewarded for what did he say? David said, I was rewarded for what? My righteousness? David was rewarded for his righteousness? Didn't we read earlier that David committed adultery with Bathsheba and he had Uriah killed and all these terrible things that was going on? Isn't it true that we are all unrighteous because we are sinners? So I'm looking at this saying, how can David say the, uh, that the Lord rewarded me according to my righteousness? What is going on here? That's what I want to know. So when I read and I know I've got to teach it, that's what hits me. Look at this real quick, Romans 3, verse 10. Romans 3, verse 10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. There you go. So how could David legitimately make the claim that the Lord rewarded him according to his righteousness when we know there is no one righteous? The reason I bring these things up is not to confuse you, but because these are the kind of topics that your skeptics that are hung on not believing, they will bring these things up to you and you need to know how to disarm that and explain it. There's no one righteous. Wait a minute. This guy said he was. How do you deal with that? Let me take it a step further then to make it even harder. <laughs> okay. Genesis 6, 9 says, this is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time, and he walked faithfully with God. So how can these two men be considered righteous when the Bible says no one is righteous, not even one? We get a part of the answer right there. It says he walked faithfully with God. That's part of your answer right there, walking faithfully with God. Now, the first type of righteousness, there's more than one. There's a two different kinds of righteousness. We got to remember in the English language, I don't know how it is for Spanish, but I know in English, we have limited words. Love means love. Love means love, and love means love. In the Bible, there's three different kind or more different words for love. It's like, I love my dog, I love my wife, but I don't love them the same way. They would use different words for love. We have just one stripped down means everything all wrapped up in one ball word. <laughs> love is love, okay? Righteousness here in the Bible, the first kind of righteousness is absolute perfection that the Lord demands of us. That's what we don't have righteousness, absolute perfection, a level of perfection we're never going to get to. In fact, the Bible laments of our lack of having this kind of righteousness that we don't have it because only Jesus Christ himself met this kind of a standard, this high of a standard. The second type of righteousness results from our sanctification, our being cleaned up. When Jesus cleans you, when the Lord God cleans you up, you become this righteousness. Sanctifi sanctification is when God cleans you up and then he gets to declare you righteousness, righteous. It's like, I have now cleaned you up. I experienced that the other day at the kitchen, had a dirty plate. I cleaned it, I dried it, and I put it in the little thing and I said, I declare you righteous, clean. And I walked away and Anna goes, how about the rest of the sink? Anyway, so when you're, you're clean, <laughs> when you become clean, 2 Corinthians 5.21, I'm just explaining this out, okay? For he made him, that's Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. 
You see how you can become righteousness. We blew it. We sinned. No righteousness. Never going to get to that level. But through Jesus, you can become the righteousness of God in him. So he's how we become that. And so God justifies us, which means he declares us righteous. First, you got to get cleaned up. Then you can be declared. I cleaned the dish. Then I said, I declare you clean. God says you need to be cleaned up, sanctified. Then after you are sanctified clean, he declares you clean. That is justified. You are now justified. That's when he calls you righteous. Now, this is the kind of righteousness that Noah had. Noah believed, he trusted in the Lord, and so his walk was in obedience to the Lord, and that marked him as righteous. That's why the Bible said he was righteous. I see people get into these debates over social media, the absolute worst place to try to do ministry in the world. It doesn't work. Don't just make friends, but go sit down with them. Go go sit down and have coffee with them. Go have coffee with them and then hit them with it this social media doesn't work too well but they'll get into this argument over righteousness well there ain't nobody righteous yes there is no there's not the bible says there's not even one well david said he was the bible says that no well now, now they're fighting they're fighting they're fighting i'm gonna i'm explaining it he walked with god and so he was righteousness again when you get under covenant cut Oh, we've really got to get covenant. We've got to understand covenant. I have been pounding it (laughs) really hard the last number of months reading this because people are missing covenant. Covenant means commitment. It means promise. It means I'm here and I ain't going nowhere. The world has a problem with commitment today. And because they don't understand commitment, they don't understand covenant. Covenant's very important. And I've been drilling it. When you get under covenant with God, the Lord holds and binds the covenant, not us. We don't buy it because we can't be good enough to do it. And as a result of the Lord's covenant grace being on us, then we are considered blameless, not because we are perfect, but because of what the Lord Jesus did because of the perfect righteousness of God that has been sealed upon us. I always like to use a can of peaches for the illustration. I had that can of peaches in my pantry for several many years. I also have a peach tree in my backyard. Whenever peaches would drop off the tree and I was gone at work all day, if you didn't get home early enough to get it before the bugs and the birds and everything got it, that peach that hit the ground starts to rot real quick. You've got to get after them fast and get them off the ground. But the can of peaches I had in the, in the pantry was in there for years. Never, I even forgot it was there. It was in the back. I remember for a long time, my, uh, when I moved into my home, I was given a housewarming party, uh, a housewarming gift of a bag of groceries with a whole bunch of things in it. And one of the things in there was a can of peaches, and it ended up in the back of my pantry for I don't know how long, years and years. And I got it and said, oh yeah, this came from when I first moved in a long time ago. And I thought, I wonder. And I cracked it open. There they were. Ate them. They were fine. You know why? Because they were sealed. They were sealed in that can. And we get sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance because of the covenant. You are sealed and you are kept, okay? So we got to understand covenant, how it seals us, the way that works. 
We can't be good enough on our own. If it were not for the covenant promise of God that seals us as righteous in the Lord, we would never get to heaven. Covenant. Bam. Thank you for the woo. That was cool. And so it was not David himself who was righteous. It was the Lord's covenant working through David. David himself, David alone, as a standalone guy, would have rotted as soon as he set foot on the ground like a peach. But it was the seal of the Lord that kept him and he could call him righteous. It was the Lord's covenant working through David that David was able to say, the Lord has rewarded me according to my righteousness. You see that? Not that I attained it, I was given it. And then it was sealed on me to have it. That's so good. I'm just going to re-preach that whole section all over again. Let's move on. But it was good. So the reason I really wanted to drill this topic is because so many people don't understand covenant. They believe if they mess up just one little ounce after they're in covenant, if they mess up this much, that God will remove his seal of salvation from them and condemn them to hell all over again. They think they got to get saved every time they think about it. They got to get saved again and again and again. You can't get saved enough. You don't, you're not guilty because you committed a sin. We are made of sin. You're composed of sin matter when you sleep at night doing nothing. Okay? You have to have covenant on you. Now, people that think that this much of a mistake is going to condemn them again or God's going to get mad at me again, they, they, they're not thinking covenant. They never have peace. They are in constant fear of going to hell. Now, I pray that more people come to understand covenant, that it's not based on you. It's based on the Lord. David had no legitimate place to say, my righteousness, if it were not for the Lord giving him the covenant that sealed him in it. The peaches in my pantry had no right to say, here we are five, six, ten years later, go ahead and eat us, we're fine, when I knew that ten years later a peach rotted as soon as it hit the ground. But they were sealed, they were kept. Okay, those peaches, I declare, good, I'll eat them, (laughs) okay? It's not based on you, it's based on the sealing covenant of the Lord. Now, even David is trying to teach us covenant here in chapter 22 in his very praise. When he said, according to the cleanness of my hands, he has recompensed me, means he has rewarded me, paid me back. So now his works are now picking up on this righteousness and he's doing good things and God's rewarding him for it. Awesome. Oh, but David committed adultery and murder. Oh, fault. I find a fault. Let's get him. Everybody put him on your gun. Fill him full of holes. David made a mistake. Kill him. That's our society right now. I'm sorry to get dramatic. (laughs) Calm down, Ray. (laughs) But that's what they're doing. You did something wrong. Take him down. That's what they're doing. David did commit adultery and murder. We read that David committed probably the two most argued about acts that anybody could, could ever do that they say would invalidate a covenant. I hear people say that. What if I get in covenant and I go commit adultery? What if I get in a covenant and I go kill somebody? I don't know. Read about David. Learn from the Bible. Don't ask me. Read. So David did these two very, very bad, bad things. Not, not just sort of bad. He did bad things to really give us the picture of what covenant is and what it does. And David's trying to tell us, listen to my praise. He saved me. He's rewarding me. Look at what 
I did. And I still get saved and rewarded? Come on. I read this and I'm like, pretty cut and dried if you ask me. I'm, I'm doing pretty good because I'm in Messiah Jesus. You don't have anything to worry about, guys. He did bad things, yes. Did not invalidate the covenant. He was still under it. And because of that covenant, David learned something. He didn't learn to keep going. Oh, well, let's just get another Bathsheba today. Because look, I'm still here. God saved me from every enemy. I'm under covenant. What did it teach David to do? It taught him to repent for real. It taught him to get right. He is not. He did abuse covenant, but he's not abusing covenant now because now he knows what's going on. He had to repent, which means to turn away from sin. Don't continue in a sin license that most people think a sealed covenant allows. People teach against sealed covenant because they don't like the thought of sin license. This doesn't teach sin license at all. I've had people around me before, my biggest headaches theologically to me were the people that said, you're preaching once saved, always saved, that you can do anything you want. I said, well, I never did teach that. Never. Yes, you do. Sealed covenant means you can do anything you want. No, it doesn't. That's like coming to a T in the road. When you come to a T, what two choices do you have? Left or right, Mike? Nope, you can only turn left. That's what they do. Nope, you can only turn left. No, wait, I can turn right also. No, you sin all you want. No, I can do the right thing too. See, see, there's no right turn. No, you're only talking turn left. Go the wrong way. No, I'm saying you can do the right thing too. You, you do have a choice. David's learned that the righteousness of God never allows you to continue sinning, but will pressure you. Did we not see David go through pressure? Did we not see David go through intense consequences? How many of you in here have been through intense consequences? Me, big time consequences. I still deal with some of the consequences I, that, that I drummed up a long time ago. Reminder, Lord, take this thorn from my side. Nope, you need to keep that keeps you right (laughs) okay you know the righteousness of god never allows you to keep sinning but it will pressure you to turn from sin and turn towards obeying the lord and then that will cause you to praise him for keeping that promise there was a time i was under covenant oh i can still play around a little bit and it brought consequence now i'm looking back and saying ray you idiot But now I am so happy that the Lord made that promise to me because I couldn't be saved if it were not from covenant. Covenant. Teach your children, teach your family, your friends about covenant, covenant. The world's losing that concept. 2 Samuel 22 and 23, let's see what he says. Because covenant will cause you to praise his name for keeping that promise. For all his judgments were before me. Look, it it was going to be there. He was going to be in trouble for all his judgments were before me. And as for his statutes, I did not depart from them. I was also blameless before him. And I kept myself from my iniquity. There it is, repentance. I kept myself from my iniquity. Therefore, 
The Lord has recompensed me according to my righteousness, according to my cleanness in his eyes. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. You will save the humble people, but your eyes are on the haughty that you may bring them down. God doesn't do that. Yes, he does. People that need to be brought down, that God's trying to get, he will bring them down. For you are my lamp, O Lord. The Lord shall enlighten my darkness. For by you, I can run against a troop, but my God, I, but, but by my God, I can leap over a wall. Okay, wow. You know, God will bring people down. That means he wants them. So David had praised God for deliverance, but now this section speaks about what happens after deliverance. See, this is where we get into the critical about what happens after you realize you've been delivered. So once you're delivered, you can't just be whoever. Because I know people that still live like the devil, and they say they're in Jesus Christ. So David prays for deliverance, and now we're going to go to what happens after deliverance. David said in verse 24, He said, I kept myself from iniquity. Friends, he said, highlight, underline, draw explosions around it, whatever you got to do to remember this part of the text. I kept myself from iniquity. After you have truly been delivered from destruction, a change will set in. It's like when you pour cream in that coffee, it's going to change. It will And it will be a change that's driven by experiencing the victory and freedom of Jesus. And you'll find that victory is so good, you won't want to go back to the bondage you once walked in. How many of you who have been delivered from bondage would love to go back to the way your life used to be? I don't want no part of it at all. There's a lot of people, they want to stay in it. What is wrong with you? That's what I'm asking. This freedom is so good, the freedom of the Lord is so good that you'll actually work to keep yourself from iniquity. What David said here is, I'm under covenant and because of covenant, I have been delivered. And since I'm delivered, I keep myself from iniquity. David says, I don't want to get around it. And that's something we have to learn to do. You've got to learn to identify what is part of the cause of your iniquity, what tempts you, what causes you to want to go back to your old ways and get away from it and stay away from it. Don't go anywhere near it again. David said, I'm under covenant because of covenant I have been delivered. And since I've been delivered, I kept myself from iniquity. People seem to have a problem with the fact that covenant is kept by God no matter what we do because they think it condones that sin license. I have a problem with the fact that the sin license advocates never consider the immense change that the Lord puts on a person which will cause them to never desire their old way again. That's where I'm at with that. Why do you want your old way? Did you ever have a change? Yes, I got saved by Jesus. Well, if I got run over by a truck, wouldn't I look different? Jesus is bigger change than getting run over by a truck. So people who keep doing things their own way, iniquity means my own way. People that keep doing things their own way. I really wonder 
did they ever really experience a born-again, life-changing experience from Jesus Christ at all? Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.